Good day and welcome to another episode of the International News Desk. Whether you're tuning in on snl24.com forward slash Duma, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Play. Welcome to the show. I am, of course, your host, Sean Roberts. But please welcome Kurt the Dirt, the Backerfield. How are you, my friend? Sean, I'm doing well. How are you, man? I am good, bro. Wonderful. I'm good. Just keen to hear, you know, I mean, let, let's get off. Let's start off with United as usual. Um, been all over the news this week. I have been watching your ex-beloved teammates of Gary Neville and Roy Keane just absolutely lambasting United and rightly so, I think, Kurti. Yeah. Um, in, in essence, I think a lot of questions were the hunger from certain United's players, but a big one is Ten Hag's position now really under threat, which I believe it probably is, right? It probably is at this point. And there's a, a difficult run of fixtures coming up too. So we have Chelsea on Wednesday night and we have Bayern Munich next week, Tuesday, um, mm-hmm. in the Champions League. If we, if we don't win there, of course, we stand no chance of progressing to the next round. Um, and then Liverpool is coming up later this month too. Um <laughs> So, so you do worry about about Ten Hag's sort of future at this point. But um, mm. no, it's a very contentious one for me personally, just because I don't feel like you can call for stability at a club and then also want the manager sacked, a manager who had a very impressive first season. Um, I think that there are some rotten apples in that dressing room. Um, mm. I don't know exactly who they might be, um, but it just, it, it does seem like, you know, there is just a bad culture in that dressing room at the moment. And it's yeah. been there before Ten Hag. It was there when he came in. Um, he seemed to sort of th- turn things around. Um, but after the difficult start to this season, um, yeah, you're just hearing all that noise again. So it's it's a difficult one. I think that Ten Hag deserves to, to stay and deserves mm-hmm. to, um, whether it's work those players out, um, eventually get them playing the football that he wants, uh, you know, them to play. He's shown at Ajax, um, I think he was there for four or five years, that he has a philosophy of football. And when it works, it's beautiful to watch. It's very attractive. It's attacking. Um, it's 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 a lot of running and moving and passing. And I think that it's understandable for United fans to feel like he's had long enough now to to implement that because when you consider someone like Roberto De Zerbi at Brighton, you know, working with um, players mm. who earn a lot less than those at Manchester United, you know, no real big names in that squad. Um, he's got them playing like prime Barcelona or he had them mm. playing, playing like prime Barcelona within weeks of his arrival. So I do understand when you, when you look at it like that um, from that perspective, but... No, I understand the frustration and as a Manchester United fan, I am too very frustrated. Mm-hmm. But I just think that Ten Hag deserves more time. Um, I think that there were very similar calls for Arteta just four or five years ago too, um, where Arsenal fans were turning on him. T- Arteta out was the hashtag that was trending every week on Twitter. Um, but he's shown that with time, and it's been four or five seasons now, um, well, I think four seasons, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can turn things around and, and bring stability to, to a club. So I think United need to be patient um, and, and let's see what he, what he could do with a few more transfer windows. I will say, I, I do think that there is justified criticism in terms of the players that he's brought in. Um, yes. I'm not talking about Anana, but 
certain signings he has made, it just doesn't seem to have, it hasn't seemed to have worked out. And I do understand that. Um, maybe that is the club's fault, though. I think that Manchester United have not had that structure that you will see at City, at Liverpool, at Arsenal. Um, and therefore, sort of any, manage, uh, any player that the manager recommends, the club sort of go for. And mm-hmm. they just back whatever he says, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing. I think that the manager need, needs to work with a director of football who knows what he's doing, who understands the yeah. market, who understands where to find talent. Um, yeah, so I, I do understand and I do agree with a lot of the criticism that Ten Hag is getting, but yeah. I think it's way too soon to pull the plug on what he's trying to achieve just yet, but, you know. But Cody, um, sorry, sorry for butting in there. On the on the subject of of the players he's brought in, when he was doing when he was signing the contract to join United, wasn't one of the terms that uh, mentioned in the contract that he could bring in anyone who wants, regardless of what the club think? Has that now well, gone towards yeah, his detriment? Th- yeah. So in the past, like you saw it with Mourinho, you saw it with even Ragnick, who was just there on a on a short term basis, but they essentially could not bring the players that they wanted to the club. Manchester United sort of always blocked those transfers um, from happening. So I think that they did want to give Ten Hag more sort of room to work in the in the transfer window or in the transfer market, which I think can be a good thing. But it's sort of, it's sort of, what's the, the, the word I'm looking for here? It's sort of counterproductive when he's not working with someone like he was at Ajax, for example. Um, I think he was with Van der Sar there. Um, someone who, like I just said, understands the market and understands and, and can identify young, talented players who are sort of brave enough and have the personality to play for Manchester United. I think he does not have that in England at all. So I do like the fact that they are willing to listen to him and they are willing to go for players that he wants, but not just anybody. You know, I, I do think that um, they've made some pretty bad decisions over the last 18 months. I mean, Vegos turned out to be a disaster. I know that that was, again, just a loan deal. Um, you, you can even look at someone like Casemiro, who, yes, had a fantastic first season, but has really looked uh, a shadow of his former self this season. Mason Mount has, has, you know, been injured all season. And when he has played, he hasn't played well. Um, you just worry about sort of the recruitment strategy, Um and, and why it seems to be so inconsistent at the moment. Um, they didn't land a top striker. Obviously, they, they ended up going for Hoyland, but 70 million for a 20-year-old kid, um, that's a lot of money to spend. Um, I do think that someone like him, someone like Anana, they will still turn out to be all right. But for now, it's, it's not looking very pretty. Does that answer your question, Aiden? It does. It does. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kurti. Um, uh, we might as well stick with United and just touch on their performance against Newcastle um, again quite underwhelming yeah it was shocking I think that was probably yeah. the worst performance of the season um, players mm. just didn't seem up for it they were losing their duels um, players not running uh, Marcus Rashford has gotten a lot of stick for for his performance uh, specifically mm. yeah there were a few moments where the, the, the fullbacks would, would burst forward and Rashford just wouldn't even make an attempt at, at recovering um, so very concerning. Um, Martial throwing his hands up. I think even having a, a little on-field dispute with Ten Hag at some point during the game. Um, yeah, just a really poor performance. Scott McTominay. I mean, I want to be like I was just saying. Now I, I sort of back Ten Hag, and I, I hope he gets more time. But 
it's crazy to me that someone like Scott McTominay is just in the team now week in and week mm. out. You know, he's a player that United fans wanted shipped out four seasons ago already. Um, it's crazy to me that he's still in that team. Um, yeah, just a really poor performance, really flat, didn't create a lot of chances, didn't seem up for it, not a lot of personality. Um, mm. I think Bruno too, throwing his hands up at one point where the play was happening five meters from him. Newcastle midfielders were on the ball and Bruno was moaning at Martial for, for a bad pass or something like that. Like, mm. it's just seeming, yeah, it's really bad at the moment. And I think that the players are turning on one another. And, you know, we've seen this sort of movie over and over again at United where when that starts happening, it's, it's uh, generally the manager who obviously takes the blame. Even when these players have shown time and time again that they can't really be trusted. And I hate to sound like that Manchester United fan, but that's where I am right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it is sad. Um, and I don't want to keep on going on about United, but again, uh, tonight's a big one, I guess, for you guys. Chelsea, is it Chelsea away or Chelsea at home? I think I might be Chelsea at home, at home yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be eager to watch that and then we'll touch base next week and hear your ranting yet again, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, well, let's go to the other side of Manchester City, Tottenham. What a game. Um, controversial stuff towards the end of the game. Curti, I mean, he should have let Haaland play through, right? Which gave Grealish straight. He shouldn't have fouled on Haaland, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I really don't know what he was thinking there, Simon yeah. Hooper. Um, you, these refs can't catch a break at the moment. Um, but it's sort of understandable when they make decisions like that. I, I, my only sort of, the only thing I can think of is that he thought that when Haaland played the pass, it wasn't going to make its way to Grealish. Yes. So he then pulled it back and said, no, we can't, we're like advantage is over, essentially. Um, <laughs> I, I, did, did he not think Haaland had that in him? Because it was a beautiful pass. Um, and, you, and you don't see it very often from him, to be fair. So maybe Simon Uber thought there's no way that that's, you know. Um, but incredible. Playing. 94th minutes, three all. <laughs> I mean, the way the Premier League is situated at the moment, it's, it's these sort of decisions that define everything, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then you look at we touched into Arsenal's game last night uh, you, you just wonder like is it their season Kurt you know 96 97th winner against Luton these are the sort of wins that sort of City put up the hat you know along the season and it seems like Arsenal I, I know it's quite early but um, they are looking a bit concerning for City fans yeah and I think that I think Gary Neville made the point, point recently he was just saying how you know, last year, Arsenal just weren't up for the race towards the end of the season. They, yeah. I think they had three games in a row where they dropped points. I think they might have even drawn all three games. One of them, mm. I remember being against Southampton. Um, I think Liverpool was in there too. Arsenal were 2-0 up and Liverpool came from behind to, to draw. Um, but this season, you know, they, they aren't playing well right now. They, they Obviously, they play some beautiful stuff. Uh, stuff every now and then of course it's Arsenal and it's Arteta and it's, it's going to look sort of pleasing on the eye but they are sort of just getting over the line um, this season in a lot of those games like they did against Luton when, when Declan Rice scored that, that last minute winner um, mm. and you have to you have to worry about when they do start playing well and when everything's flowing like it was for large parts of last season um, yes. So it, it seems to me like right now they, they're going through that scrap, which they were unable to do towards the end of last season. They're, they're going through that right now and they're still picking up results. So yeah. what is it going to be like when they, they are playing well and they, they're hammering teams 3-4-0 every other week? So, 
yeah, I think it, it, it should be concerning for City. And of course, the other thing is, you know, like the, the pundits were talking about, Gary Neville, Carragher, it is so hard for City to go again after winning a treble. Naturally, there yeah. is some sort of complacency that sets in. And although Pep might deny that and the players might deny that, it's very, very natural. You know, you've just reached the, the summit. You've just achieved mm. something that not many footballers, footballers are able to achieve. Um, and it's very difficult emotionally to keep going and to, to yep. go again. So it's it's no um, criticism against City. It's completely natural. They've been dominant in the Premier League over the last six or seven seasons. I think they've won five Premier Leagues um, over the last, what, since Pep's been there. Um, yep. So it's, yeah, like it, it's when, when people say that City fans shouldn't be offended, it's just a natural cycle. Um, and I'm sure that City, if they don't win it this season, they'll be back up there again next season. Um, but it's just hard to, to, you know, to continue going week in, week out. But um, it's still very early, of course, Sean. And, and we've seen City do this time and time again, where they have like a slow sort of start and then go on this streak where they don't lose for, you know, 15 games. So that's still very possible. Um, but yeah, it looks like it could be another title race between Arsenal and City and potentially even Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Like you say, Cody, it's still very early days. Very early. Um, let's chat about the fixtures coming up. There's a couple of crackers tonight, I guess. We've mentioned United, Chelsea. How do you see that one going? I don't see it going well, Sean. I'll say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a United fan, I don't really see that going very well. Um, yeah. I don't know. I said to Aiden, so Aiden sends me predictions every week and I sort of have a little say. Um, yeah. And I said that oh, that Chelsea are going to uh, United are going to win three one, um, which is crazy. It's probably going to it's probably going to be a draw or Chelsea are going to win. I can't see United uh, responding very well to to that Newcastle game because they haven't really responded very well to poor performance this season. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably go with a draw there, Sean. Maybe a one all or a, or a two all. If I'm being realistic, um, if I'm being a dreamer, I would say that. You know, Manchester United on the back of sort of all this criticism. And I don't know if you saw that story about journalists being banned from Eric Tenag's press conference yesterday. Yeah, because yeah. essentially the club are accusing them of making up stories. Um, you know, maybe when, yeah. when everything's sort of against you and your back's up against the wall is when Manchester United actually turn up with a performance. Um, and they need to. They, they absolutely need to because it's just going to get a whole lot noisier and louder if they don't. So... Um, there's a lot riding on this result tonight, but I, I, I just can't see United with, you know, the form they're in, getting all three points against Chelsea. I just can't. Sure, it'll, it'll be a cracker. I think it's a late game, Kurt. I think quarter past 10 South Africa time. If yeah, not. it is. Yeah, that's, that's a biggie. Any other games you want to touch on in the next couple of weeks or next week? I think I think it's tonight there's also a big one in Villa and, and City. City. Yeah. I'm sure we'll react to that next week, whatever the result is, but... Um, that's a difficult game for City away from home. Villa have been excellent this season. Incredible. They're also looking like a real sort of uh, top four contender. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, and I think it's a good time for Villa to play to play City. Um, so I think that that's going to be an interesting one. And then, of course, Liverpool are away to Sheffield and mm. Sheffield have just uh, sacked their manager. Yeah. Um, and you, you never really want to go up against a team who's just, who's just sacked their manager. It's a, it's a difficult fixture. No, uh, absolutely. Kurti, in two minutes, your opinion on why Aston Villa have been doing so well lately. Una Emery is an excellent coach. Yeah. I think he's, so, he's been so massively underrated for so long. Um, he got a lot of stick for, for sort of, they call it failing, uh, how he did at PSG. 
you could not get them over the line in the Champions League, of course, like no other manager has in their history. Um, <laughs> and I think that, I just think that he's a very, very smart manager. Tactically, yeah. he is so good. Um, and he's got a very good squad. They've done excellent business. Their mm-hmm. recruitment has been top-notch. They've got a very, very good striker up front in Oli Watkins. Mm. Um, and he's flanked by, you know, Diaby and, and Leon Bailey. They've got a lot of quality in that team, a lot of very good footballers. Um, so it's no surprise to me that they're doing this well. I, I think it's a it's a strong side. I mean, of, of course, they've got the World Cup winning goalkeeper, um, Emiliano Martinez. Mm-hmm. They've got strong defense, strong midfield. John McGinn is playing some of his best football. Um, no, they're just, uh, it's a quality group of players managed mm-hmm. by a very, very strong um, manager who's very yeah. tactically um, sound. Astute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. astute, yeah. Thanks, Cody. Thanks for the little breakdown. Um, <laughs> moving on to my favorite part of the podcast, Seeking the Socials, where our producer, Aiden, unlocks socials and me and Kurt give him our opinion. Kurt, Sean, welcome back to Seeking the Socials. For those of you who do not know what Seeking the Socials is, it is a, can you two not wave this, this time, please? Yeah, I was about to say, Sean, let's not let's... do that again. It was fun. Look, I'm not, I'm not denying. Yeah, no, I can't agree. But, but anyway, time. for those of you who do not know what Seeking the Socials is, it is a segment where I scour social media and I look for the most interesting, topical and controversial opinions relating to football. Some weeks I inform the lads of a topic and other weeks I get the gents to pick a topic by choosing a social media platform. Sean, behave yourself, please. Let's jog our memories to the last time we did Seeking the Socials last week. I mentioned that Facebook was not an option. And Kurt, with the utmost amount of confidence, you chose Facebook. Facebook, yes. Uh, No, so so this time, guys, in honor of that, we're going to go to Facebook. Magic. Just to to make up for things. And the question reads, which centre-back pairing is or was the most terrifying to play against for a striker? Two players who connected telepathically, who struck fear into attackers and who almost never let slip. Now, besides the obvious choice of Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire, who do <laughs> <laughs> you say. guys think would be absolutely terrifying? It's, it's to play gotta against? be it's gotta be it's gotta be it's gotta be Martin Keown and Tony Adams, eh? Yeah. I mean that's that that's a very very good shot. They were weren't they? Wasn't there a famous song "One Nil to the Arsenal"? Like they would score and then they would just shut up shop, and you could not get. <laughs> it was like Nigel that. Winterburn at one point, yeah. and uh, yes, Dennis Owen. No, not Dennis Owen. Um, uh, Dennis who was at United? Who was on the, the right? Who was at right back? It was, it was Winterburn, Winterburn left. left back. Yeah, I can't remember. Ray no, Parler. Ray Parler. But no, that was a, a very so that was probably just before my time. I would have grown up when I remember Tony Adams playing for Arsenal when I was a, y- a young since the same as Martin Keown. Um, yes, but no, Arsenal's defense—they were just not concede goals. Yeah, I'm just trying to think who that other guy was. Let me just try to Google this. But also, Aiden, I, I do I do think that a special mention. Of course, I would love to, as a United fan, say Ferdinand and Vidic. But mm. but United didn't really back then. It wasn't about keeping clean sheets. No. And, uh, no, it was about winning. It was about Boston. winning and outscoring your opponents. So if it was sure. three goals conceded, we'd just score four. Yeah. Um, 
that doesn't uh, take any anything away from those two defenders. They were brilliant, remarkable players yeah. who I think would yeah. be sort of just as important and just as good today. Um, but uh, I think a, a special mention should go to Ricardo Carvalho and John Terry at Chelsea because when Mourinho came in, mm. Chelsea um, was so difficult to beat. They would yeah. very rarely concede. I think in Mourinho's first season, there was some excellent defensive record that they set. Maybe I'm remembering that wrongly, but they were they were so good that day. Wasn't the stat like something they didn't concede a goal at home for like three years or something? Well, they didn't lose at home for yes. for, for like three years. But I think they, they only conceded like, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, like but I'm sure it was like 15 goals or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I've read that as well recently. So I, I don't think you're lying there. Mm. I, yeah, I, think, I think another good pairing. mention could be Nesta and Maldini. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Those Italian defenders, in particular, were very special. Didn't, didn't Maldini once say that if you have to make a tackle, you've already failed at your job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. I think he's being a little it's, boastful there. Just a quickie, a quick mention. So Lee Dixon was a right back, right? Lee Dixon. Yeah, and then Wimbledon. Yeah, John Fashionu. Was Vinnie Jones? He was more in front of them. Hey, they, he was a midfielder. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. with. with I'm trying to think who was next to uh, John Fashion. I remember that that centre pairing being. If we're talking about most terrifying players, Vinnie Jones is up there. Yeah, <laughs> no, he is the most. I would imagine. Yeah, I know. Don't want to see him in an alleyway at night. No, but um, yeah, I would stick with. Um, yeah, I would stick with the the uh, Tony Adams. Uh, Steve Bold was there as well. Yes, yeah. If you remember, I think yeah, he, he was, was he was later Arsene Wenger's assistant yeah. or part of his, his his staff there. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, I remember I remember that I don't know if Adams would have been moved on by then. I think Salt Campbell will have will have been playing for Arsenal at the time. But when Benisselroy missed that penalty against Arsenal, <laughs> and all the Arsenal players were roughing him up and in his face, yes. and there's that. Amazing picture of Keon right in his face, just screaming. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Beautiful. yeah. No, those guys were terrifying. Have you listened? Have you listened to Martin Keown on to score another penalty in that game, and then went up to the guy and celebrated? I, I or can't was that a different game. That might have been a different game. What did you say, Sean? Martin Keown's on a very good podcast. You listen to him. It's a BBC oh. podcast with uh, uh, Simon Jordan, the ex-chairman of Crystal Palace, as well. Yeah, the the what's his name? What's that? Uh, Company talk sport. Yes, yes, very yes. good. Eh? He's very yeah. well read, Martin Kian. Like he knows the. Yeah, the, he sounds a lot more posh than I anticipated. I remember yeah. him doing like a pundit show, just I think for the Premier League. Yeah, I remember being quite surprised. I thought he would be a lot sort of rougher. Yeah, a lot more Aiden Hewitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't want to mess with me, boys. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Um, Balls. But I'm trying to think of other pairings. I mean. Like even that that great Barcelona team, like they weren't renowned necessarily for yeah. what they did defensively. Mm. Um, Vincent Company and uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Richards. Yeah, no, it wasn't there for much longer. Uh, but yeah, Company was a he was a he was a good player. I, I don't think anyone comes close to that that Arsenal back four or that Arsenal back two, to be honest. In my opinion. Fair enough, Sean. Fair enough. The, it's it's nice also having a little generation. Gap sure. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Big generation gap. Yeah. Big, huge, no huge. Um, but uh, <laughs> Sean, any word on Vidic and Ferdinand? You didn't... Sorry, you're right. I mean, yeah, Ferdinand is. Uh, I've never liked Ferdinand, but he. You can't. That's probably because I'm a big City fan, but he he has been absolutely world class for United. Vidic as well, great signing. Um, yeah, of course, right up there, without a doubt. 
there must be someone we we're missing here i mean that italy defense in 2006 that would have been Cannavaro and probably Nesta. Mm-hmm. I think Maldini had already retired by then. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, Sergio Ramos and who at at Real Pepe. Madrid? Pepe. Pepe. I mean, that was a that was a terrifying defense. That was scary. No, uh, terrifying. Not terrifying in terms of how well they defended. Just yeah. in how rough <laughs> okay. they were. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I, got I you. mean, we've all seen that clip of Pepe stamping on his opponent and then kicking him in the back while he's lying on the floor and perfectly getting away legal. with it. Perfectly legal. Perfectly Ruthless. legal. Obviously, Ramos, I think, has 29 career red cards or something like that. No, they were they were rough. Those guys were rough. And they would just turn on their, their, their international teammates too. Ramos yeah, yeah. poking Puyol in the eye and having it with Xavi. And yeah. those, isn't that such a strange days. one how they... Were so successful, Spain as a national team. So successful, obviously the the Euro, the 2008 Euros, the World Cup in 2010, and then the 2012 Euros. But a lot of those players did not get along with one another. They weren't friends. It was right. split between Barcelona and Real Madrid that dressing room. Oh wow! And they really did not like each other. It was real tension. Wow! And even to this day, there's tension between Pique and and Ramos, who obviously centre back partners for a very yeah. long time. Um, but it's just it's, you it's strange thought, because huh? you would you, you you often see how England um, the 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 ex England players like Ferdinand like Terry like Gerard they all talk about how there were sort of factions in the group and mm. they they all sort of split you know club teammates they all sort of spent time together and England weren't successful they weren't mm. able to put that aside when they went on international duty yeah, um, yeah. whereas the Spanish team were but. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of more, more centre back pairings. Well, we... if if we if if we think of them, Curdy, we will bring them up on the next podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll WhatsApp you, Aiden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds good. Maybe you can get those predictions right this time. <laughs> hey, still mad about that Chelsea one. Hey, come on. But but we... I believe. Me too. You I believe. believe. Right, Aiden. F- off, gentlemen. Thank you very much for seeking the socials. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, Thank, Adam. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Curti. And that is how we wrap Thanks, up Eddie. this episode of the International News Desk. So whether you have been listening on snl24.com forward slash Slokka Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Sean Roberts, and of course, my good friend, Kurt Buckerfield. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Shawnee. Cheers, man. Same time, same place. Next week. Cheers. Cheers.